Hello, folks. This is John Otterstead, Bobby Darren, Scarlet Nation Podcast, Episode 13. Today, we are just going to chat, the two of us, Bobby and myself, about the state of Rutgers football and kind of continue what we do, were doing last week when we were talking to Pete Tverdov about what Rutgers needs to do to turn this thing around. Bobby wasn't part of that podcast last week, and so I want to bring him in and ask him some of those same questions because he is there all the time. He's at practices. He's in the press box. He knows a lot of the players, their parents, the coaches. He has a greater insight than the rest of us out here. So, Bobby, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Looking forward to this weekend's game. I say I'm looking forward. It's a little bit of, I don't know, trepidation there. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that Rutgers is going to have a good showing. I know you haven't put together your preview yet, but what are you thinking? Well, you know, obviously the talent factor swings in Ohio State's favor, favor uh, by a long shot. But I, I think what you're looking for not necessarily is that miraculous upset, but just some steps of progress compared to how Rutgers has fared against Ohio State in the past couple of years. Uh, I think this year is all about that progression, and, and it's not necessarily going to show up in wins and losses, but you'll see some steps being made. And even though that the first few games uh, it, it didn't turn out as, as fans, players, coaches, and, and the whole Scarlet Nation hoped, um, I, I do think there are a lot of signs of progress. And let's not forget, this was a major rebuild. So it, it's going to be kind of baby steps moving forward. And, and I think that's really what you have to look at in this weekend's game against Ohio State. If you were thinking of a score right now, how much do you think Ohio State can win by that would make you feel that it was, you know, a sign of progress? Obviously, there's a lot of room for progress from last year, but you know, what what do you think in going headed into this game? Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily reflective in the final score. Um, I think it's how you get to that final score. You know, uh, if they score a few touchdowns late on a tired Rutgers defense that is depleted in depth and, and Rutgers kind of hangs around a little bit for the first three quarters, I think that's an accomplishment. It might not look like it just in, in the stat sheet, but I think it's how you get to that final score. Is Rutgers able to hold them off, stay competitive, make it, you know, make it interesting for a little bit and and be able to make some stops, whereas in the past they basically just kind of got rolled. Speaking of rolling, I was looking at last year's schedule and, I mean, there were some games that I had to admit that I'd forgotten about them a little bit. I think I just blocked them out of my memory. And you look at that stretch of Ohio State, 58 nothing, Michigan, 78 nothing. Jumping ahead a few games later, Michigan State, 49 nothing, Penn State, 39 nothing. When I look at those games and I look at the early returns on this season, I go, well, I could see some progress. But then I also try to balance that a little bit with the fact that Rutgers is playing a different offense this year. They're slowing the ball down. They're, you know, the offense is designed to keep the ball out of the hands of the opposition. So just by default, the other team is going to score less, even if you don't score more. So I guess my question coming after saying all that is, is Rutgers better or are they just holding on to the ball a little bit more, playing more conservatively and therefore keeping the point differential a little closer? 
Well, I think that, um, you know, I think it's both. I, I think, you know, they are playing a better scheme. And, and in that scheme, though, if you can keep it close, anything can really happen. Late in the game, a team makes a fumble. There's a pick six. Uh, it, you know, a ball bounces the, the right way for Rutgers. They're there. Whereas in the past, you know, they weren't. Um, you know, the personnel is better this year. There's more experience. Uh, coaching is better. Uh, I, I just think there's improvements all around. And by playing that game to keep it close, you give yourselves a chance. Um, Late in the game, you know, if you're down by a score, two scores, you know, a, a lot of crazy things can happen in college football. So hanging around towards the end gives them the opportunity for, for something something to happen in a positive way. All right. I, I see what you're saying, but this is a style of ball that Rutgers fans came to hate under Shiano and Flood. They always wanted Rutgers to ramp up the offense and really do something more dynamic it looked like they were moving towards that last year. Well, in theory, not in, you know, as it was playing out on the field. And now we're back to this style of play where they're slowing things down, trying to win a game or lose that game 14 to seven. Perhaps I'm exaggerating a little bit, but do you see the progress that you're talking about? I see the progress, but you have to remember that they don't have the dynamic players to go against a, a big-time team and, and go in a shootout. I mean, you've seen that through the first few weeks. They, they just don't have those huge playmakers that are able to take it to the house on any given play. I mean, there is improvement in the personnel, but there's still a way to go. Uh, you know, there's some decent running backs, but they're not, you know, superstar Big Ten backs uh, by any stretch of the imagination. They're decent backs, but they're not guys that are going to be home run threats every time they touch the football. Um, same thing with the wide receiver position and the quarterback position. I mean, that's the great equalizer. Look back at the Eastern Michigan game, and, and Brogan Roback made some great throws. Uh, you know, there were def- there were definitely uh, s- some shortcomings on Rutgers' part in that game. But y- you know, you turn to a quarterback and get the ball where it needs to be. And like I said, it's the great equalizer. It can make all the difference in the world. And you know, Kyle Bullen has thrown you know uh, quite a few interceptions. You know, two in each of the losses. So. Um, that's lacking as well. So as far as, you know, looking for those shootouts, the personnel I don't think is there yet. All right. But you said they're improved. And listen, I don't want anyone emailing me saying that <laughs> I'm being too hard on Rutgers because I'm not. I'm just asking questions because that's what I do here. And I want to hear you say what I want to hear. <laughs> and if you can't say it, I totally understand. But you're closer to the program. But you are saying some of the things that Pete Tverdov was saying last year, last week, excuse me, that there's some progress well, prove it to me. Where do you see the progress? Where do you see the growth? Where is Rutgers better, either in what they're doing on the field or just specific players? Talk to me about position groups. Talk to me about specific players. If I want to leave this podcast right now saying, hey, Rutgers is on an upward trajectory on offense, what can you tell me? Sell me, Bobby Darren. Come on. All right. Uh, offensively, I think you're seeing progress in the offensive line. I mean, they came out. Yes, they've had some struggles, but they came out against a Washington team who's ranked number seven in the country and pushed that team around. You know, they had, you know, a hiccup the next week against Eastern Michigan. But, you know, that doesn't negate the fact that they came out and, and had their way with that team um, last week against um Nebraska, you know, they're winning in the third quarter against a Big Ten team like Nebraska on the road. That didn't happen in the past. So you're seeing signs of progress. Uh, offensive line, I mentioned defensive line is is has been an upgrade as well. Now, there's some depth issues, which we talked about in the beginning of the year, which is hurting them. And that just takes time to build. Um, I think, you know, as you see guys go down, there's there's just not the, the backups to, to hold down the fort, so to speak. And you really saw that in the second half against Nebraska. 
But I, I think you're seeing Saquon Hampton play better this year. Um, Kai Hester play better. You've seen their safeties improve. Uh, corner play has been, um, you know, it's been up and down, but but it's still been decent. Uh, I think Deontay Roberts has improved tremendously on on uh, middle linebacker position. Uh, the defensive line, as I mentioned, ha- has been improved. Jerome Washington at tight end looks like, you know, the best tight end. It probably could even be better than Tyler Croft was. Uh, so you have to go back quite a ways to find a guy who, you know, is, is at that talent level. Now I'm not saying he's going to, I'm not, a, he's going to be a top 10 draft pick or anything like that, but, you know, the trajectory where he's going is definitely positive. And, uh, you know, you have some young wide receivers that are learning the position. Last year you had Janarian Grant, and there was really nothing else. So um, I, I definitely see uh, positive movements. Uh, Raheem Blackshear out of the backfield, uh, he has a tremendous future, I think. Uh, Jonathan Lewis, a quarterback, it, it's been a long time since you are able to get that excited about a freshman quarterback coming in. So all those things add up to, to a positive outlook. And like I said, it's going to take baby steps to turn the thing around. Yeah, fans don't want baby steps, and I completely <laughs> understand their frustration. But at the same token, when you look forward to next year, there's got to be some things that are, you know, really exciting to think about when you consider what Rutgers is going to put on the field next year what are two things that you think will make fans happy I think they'll see Jonathan Lewis playing you know all year next year and and that might even come sooner than later this year I think fans have been dying for a running quarterback a dual threat somebody who can open things up you know let's face it it's a lot more fun to watch because the Rutgers offenses of the past have really relied on a quarterback having pinpoint accuracy sitting back in the pocket and you know you know what the quarterbacks have been like over the years so I think that's something to really look forward to and you know defensively they're making progress every year like I had mentioned Um, I think once they get some experience with those young guys at the linebacker position you're going to see that position get shored up a little better next year Uh, a little bit more depth on the D-line coming in and I think you'll see an improved defense next year as well so those two things should be uh, should be exciting for fans well Let's take a look over here. Um, Shiano is coming back this week. It's it's very interesting for me. Every time Shiano is mentioned, you know, I, I love to get involved in that conversation. I love to think about what he did for Rutgers and you know play a little bit of that. What if if had he stayed? But let's just talk about the rebuilding that Shiano had to do compared to the rebuilding that Ash is doing. I know you weren't here for much of the Shiano rebuild, but can you comment a little bit about on you know, what he had to accomplish, what he did accomplish, and how that compares to where Ash is right now. Well, yeah, I, I think it's remarkable what he was able to do, just take the program and, and not only build it up from a football standpoint, but he really built it up academically and gave it a excellent reputation of, you know, in that regard. So I, I think Ash has that um, project as well, maybe to not such an extent, but you know that the APR has dropped over the last few years when that when that other guy was coaching, <laughs> but um, you know he was left with a mess and he has to clean it up. But he's facing a lot more uh, more challenging aspect in this Big Ten because even when the Big East was good, I mean I, I don't remember Rutgers facing such a difficult schedule year in and year out with the Penn States and the Ohio States, Michigan, Michigan State. I mean it's just a gauntlet every year, so uh, it's it takes time to to build the depth like I had mentioned earlier and, and the personnel to be able to compete with those teams. 
Um, you know, and, and there has been signs of progress. I mean, the jury's still out. I'm not saying he's the shaver like Shiano rebuilt the program, but um, th- there are a lot of similarities having to build that depth like Shiano did, having to go out and sell on his vision of the program. And that's what Ash has been recruiting on, the same thing, his vision for the future. And, and that's exactly how uh, Shiano got a lot of guys to buy in. If you, If someone were to ask you what Ash's vision is, what would you say? Hmm, good question. <laughs> yeah, what kind of team is he trying to build? What's That's his hallmark of, going to be? Right, if you yeah. were one of his coaches going off to a high school coach or a high school player or the parent of a high school player, and you're trying to sell Ash and his vision, what do you think that is? You know, I, he's, he's telling everybody, you know, the, the corporate answer, oh, uh, we're going to be able to compete in the Big Ten and eventually play for a Big Ten championship. But I think one of the problems with this team is is an identity. I really can't pinpoint an identity of this team. Um, are they that tough, gritty, lunch pail type? Uh, like you mentioned, like Pete Devertoff and, and, and his guys in the middle. They, you know, a lot of those older defensive linemen, they were those lunch pail, hard, hard working guys, the blue collar linemen that they got down and dirty, the, you know, Scott Vallone types. Um, this team, I'm trouble, I'm having trouble finding an identity. And, and that even goes back to the coaching. You look at the, the game plan from the first week against Washington. Offensively, they tried to keep everything short and underneath. And then against Michigan State, I mean, excuse me, Eastern Michigan, um, they tried to air everything out and go deep. Um, it was kind of conflicting, uh, two opposites. So I don't know if this team really has an identity yet. So as far as what Ash sees for the future, I mean, he says the right things. We're going to compete in the Big Ten, but how are they going to do it? I, I don't yet know the identity of this team year in and year out. Well, one thing I like about Ash, and we've discussed this on the podcast before, he seems to learn from his mistakes. And I do consider the offense last year a mistake. (laughs) And obviously he can't, you know, it wasn't his fault that he was left with such a bare cupboard in terms of talent, but perhaps what they were trying to do, they were not equipped to do. And then he readjusted went out and made what I think is a very intriguing, if not unbelievable, hire at offensive coordinator. Now, I don't know how Jerry Kill is going to be calling plays, but if you have an opportunity to get Jerry Kill on your staff, a guy who is qualified to run just about any program in the country, and you get him as one of your assistants, I think that's a big coup. And I think it just shows the kind of person Chris Ash is that he can not only make that adjustment, realize he's made a mistake, change course, but also reel in somebody as high profile as Jerry Kill. And that's one of the things that gives me real hope that a guy who is learning on the job, remember, this is only his second year as a head coach, that he is learning, he's adjusting, he's doing some things in that realm that we really didn't associate with Shiano. Shiano was a kind of guy who, if something didn't work, at least the perception was that he'd keep going to the well with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Ash is that kind of guy. Yeah, I can see that. And, and you know, he changed the, the coordinators, obviously, and handing the reins over to Jerry Killen. He's even that type and built in that type of mold as well. Um, you know, after practice on Tuesday, he was asked about not playing Jonathan Lewis. And he said, you know, the situation really didn't call for it. But when I went back and looked at it, 
I should have played him more. It was my fault, you know. And, and I've never heard a, a coach say that before at Rutgers. Yeah, I should have done this. It was my fault. I did it wrong. And he's very open and honest about it. And I think he's learning as he goes too, because it's been a while since he called plays. And maybe he's working some of the rust out, you know. Um, so uh, you know, I'm not willing to to give him a final grade just yet because he's he's getting his feet wet. He's getting used to the personnel. The first week, he said, I didn't really even know what we had at wide receiver until I could see these guys on the field and playing. So. Um, to say it's a work in progress is not just a cliche. It really is. Um, and I think that ability to change uh, will definitely help the whole staff moving forward. And as you mentioned, I think Shiano's rigidity in, in that manner really was one of his um, you know negative parts as a coach. You've seen a bunch of practices and you've seen Ash in action. Can you comment a little bit about what his demeanor is like on the practice field? He's very businesslike, you know, very businesslike approach. I mean, you'll see him get after guys, but, you know, very serious, very straightforward. And and how you see him in press conferences and how we see him, you know, off camera, it, it's how he is all the time. It's not like he puts something on for the camera or, or for in front of other people. That's just how he is. He's a football coach, very businesslike, um, goes to work, works extremely hard. And, you know, he, he he's just a serious kind of guy. What about his coaching staff? You mentioned them before. And when I'm watching a practice, I love watching coaches. And I will admit, even though that the name of Kyle Flood is much maligned on the ScarletNation.com message boards, <laughs> he was a guy I enjoyed watching coach. He had a lot of passion. He was really in the kid's face in a good way. He, I thought he was a teacher. It, it, when people told, said that, you know, when we learned that he was a teacher in a former life, it made sense to me because he would be high energy yet always instructing. And I could see why Shiana wanted to keep him around. He was just one person who I really enjoyed watching. There was, there were others uh, during the Shiano tenure, not as many during the flood tenure on the assistant side. But when you're out watching a practice and you're looking at the different assistants, who catches your eye or ear? Uh, you can hear Shane Burnham sometimes getting after people. Um, I, I don't think it's as, as a – get in your face type of staff yelling like um remember the old offensive line coach Gadet who had like the kind of limp the big guy you could hear him for miles um but it's not that type of staff it, it's kind of you know more of a teaching staff you know I don't really hear him too much you know I'm sure there's instances where they get after guys but Burnham is a, is a fiery guy and he gets after people you know Jay Neiman is very um you know, he he's not a guy that's going to raise his voice either. He's more of a teacher. So I, I think you have more of that teaching mold. But, um, you know, on a side note, one of my favorite parts of practices used to be the Ciano, um running gassers at the end. He he laid into everybody, and it, it was very amusing for, for us to watch. It was almost – I think that was the, fun, the most fun part of uh, of training camp when he would gas them at the end and, and really get on them. He really had some great one-liners. Oh, man. Shiano was fun to watch. And you'd watch those practices and you'd be entertained, but you'd also be feeling bad for some of those guys. Right. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I've seen him throw people out of practices before. You know, he'd push, have people pushing, uh, what are those, those golf carts around the practice when they were in a doghouse. And they actually had a, a sand pit. And when you were really in a doghouse, you had to do like those army crawls on your stomach through the sand pit. And sometimes it was 100 degrees and guys would be done and they, they just looked like they wanted to die. They, you know, covered in, in, in sand and they were exhausted. And, and you could tell who Shiano liked and who he didn't. Well, before I let you go, Bobby, I want to go down the rest of the schedule and give me the first 
few words that come to mind every time I mention one of these teams in terms of how Rutgers could potentially play out against them. So let's start off this week, Ohio State. Mm, you just want one word? Eh, you got give me a few, but just a <laughs> quick synopsis of what you're thinking. Uh, hopefully, just be competitive. Be competitive, all right. Then they have a bye week headed to play at Illinois. What do you think? Win. Have to win. Um, this yeah, is Must game. win is what I was thinking. On the schedule, must win that game. All right. Then you have Purdue, which on paper should be a team that Rutgers should be able to compete with just based on recruiting rankings over the past however many years, although they're playing well. What do you think? Got to get up for that game. It has to be a big game for Rutgers because Purdue was much improved. You looked at the schedule before the season. It, it, you, maybe they win it now. They're, they're, uh, they're a tough team, much tougher than they were last year, I should say. Um, you got to get up for that game. You have to be motivated. Yeah, I'd be happy with a win at Illinois and a win against Purdue. All right, Michigan. Michigan, just survive. <laughs> All right, Maryland. Maryland has some injuries. Um, you can win that game. Go in the uh, Yankee Stadium, uh, guns a-blazing, and, and get after the quarterback, whoever they have lining up. It has to be a defensive, uh, an all-out defensive effort with a big, big game from the defense. Penn State. You know, I, I am trying to be objective in this, but grow, growing up, I never liked Penn State, so beat Penn State. That's all I'll say about that one. That's one game that Rutgers is not going to have a, any trouble getting up for. Let's True. go to Indiana. Uh, Indiana. Indiana is uh, it's a question mark game for me. I think that's a team that's hot and cold each week. Uh, you're not sure what you're going to get with them. Um, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm going to say that's a question mark game for me. I'm going with must win. All right, Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State, I think, despite their record, is it's still going to be a very, very tough game. Um, for people looking, oh, this could be an upset. Um, it, it's, I think it's going to be a very, very tough game. A lot would have to go right for Rutgers to win. All right. Bobby Darren, any final thoughts on Rutgers' 2017 season before we sign off for the night? Uh, you know, I know the season hasn't gone particularly the way that the fans want it, but covering the team, it's it's actually a lot nicer to cover games that are competitive now, that, that aren't, you know, all right, in the third quarter, I'm looking to get a sandwich because the game's already over and I already have my story written, you know. Um, it's nice to be able to, to, to do that, and I think that is a step forward, um, you know, considering how abysmal everything was last year so uh even though it might not look like it there are definite steps uh positive steps being made and even if it's not on the field always i think and you've told me this in the past there are positive steps in the on the practice field Mm -hmm. in the training room in the locker room surrounding the program and other ways things that if you're looking for some signs that things are heading in the right direction right they're there a little more subtle at times but they're there no more arrests either. <laughs> no more arrests. On that note, Bobby, <laughs> I will see you Saturday. And everyone out there right now, you want to discuss the Scarlet Knights? We only are at the tip of the iceberg right now. Come to scarletnation.com. Come to our message boards. We have our free football message board. We also have basketball message boards, other sports, politics, you name it. And, of course, we have the roundtable, which is the premium message board, where our very own Bobby Darren, Richie Schneiderite, Sean Brown, myself – All of our staff hangs out. We're looking forward to answering your questions and researching the things that you want us to research. Bobby, I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Jack.